Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns. Thank you so much for taking time from your day to be with us. Have you ever found yourself in need of redemption? Or have you found someone else, a friend, a co-worker that needs to be redeemed? Well, today we're going to look at some scriptures and we have a guest speaker today, Josh Humaneka, is going to help us with the idea of being redeemed. Hello to everyone listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Josh Himanaka. I'm a grad student at UVA and actually got baptized into the Blue Ridge Church about six years ago. Happy holidays, and I'm extremely excited to just share with you guys what I've been learning about redemption. So, you know, the last few months, we've been going through the Names of God series. And as we enter December and are approaching Christmas, it's only appropriate to focus more on Jesus and transition our series to the names of Jesus. To know the names of Jesus is to know Jesus more, and it really shapes how we view our Lord and who we become as his followers. Please turn your Bibles to Ruth chapter 3. And as you're turning there, I want to know, this year we've looked at Ruth twice as a church. Once in the summer by Phil, and a few weeks ago, Ezra looked at God as El Shaddai, the nourisher, rainmaker, destroyer. I'll be giving a different lesson on Ruth, and I think it really just speaks to how rich the Bible is, that there are so many different lessons that we can take from one story. I'm excited. All right. So the name of Jesus that we'll be looking at today is Goel. Goel is the noun meaning redeemer and also gal, the verb to redeem. And so, you know, we sing so many songs like, I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. But do we know what this means? Let's see some examples to find meaning. The word Goel shows up over a dozen times in the Bible, mainly in the Old Testament. Some big examples in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. It reads, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. So already we're getting a sense of the Israelites going from being slaves of the Egyptians to being God's possessions, from going from uh, free to liberated. And um, also another big example, in Isaiah chapter 47, verse 4, we get another name of God, Jehovah Goel. And this predicts the Messiah and how he will redeem Israel from also the Babylonians. As mentions in Isaiah, our Redeemer, the Lord Almighty is his name, is the Holy One of Israel. Sit in silence, go into darkness, queen city of the Babylonians. No more will you be called queen of kingdoms. So just another example of the Israelites going from 
a state of captivity to liberation. One last example I'll draw attention to is in Leviticus chapter 25. It gives many laws about redemption to restore rights and property. And how we'll see time and time again in the Bible is that to redeem is to buy back. Or the Oxford definition for redeem is to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. And so when we sing songs about how I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, this is really how we've been bought back by the price of God's son Jesus's blood on the cross and um, just you know in the book of Ruth it also mentions a lot about Boaz being a redeemer and Boaz is going to be our Goel in this story and so you know there's a lot of different translations that might translate Boaz as either a guardian redeemer a kinsman redeemer but if we look at Leviticus chapter 25 within the context they actually have fairly distinct Definition. So guardian redeemer, kinsman redeemer, and this third term, avenger of blood, are all used, use the word goel. But so a distinction, kinsman redeemer is a close relative that pays a huge debt to restore property, versus a guardian redeemer is a close relative that redeems property when a male is dead, and an avenger of blood is a close relative that kills the murderer of a victim to reclaim their blood or restore their blood. And these are all based on the Mosianic laws in effort to you know, uh, mitigate evil or essentially to yeah, have justice be done within the community. And so Boaz is going to be an example of a guardian redeemer as he's a close relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech, who has died. And he actually happens to be one of the few people in the world who could buy back Elimelech's property and keep his name in the lineage and give Naomi and Ruth property to stay at, more rights and standing in society. And so the book of Ruth is about redemption. The book starts off in verse 1 saying that this takes place in the days of the judges. And, you know, the judges' book is characterized by what's been referred to as this sin cycle, or some call it the redemption cycle, in which there's peace between Israel and God. Israel falls into some sort of idolatry or sin. God places them in captivity. Israel cries out. God appoints a judge that will help them to be essentially re repent or be vindicated. There's peace again, and then the cycle sort of continues. And although a lot of Israel seems to sin and need redemption, the book of Ruth stands out as a love story of two righteous people still doing what God asks. And it's also a love story between God and his people and how he redeems us and what our response should be. So, I'll be starting off in Ruth chapter 3, a quick summary on the book so far. So, a famine strikes Israel, so Naomi the Israelite traveled to Moab with her family for food. In Moab, her husband Elimelech dies, her sons marry, and ten years later her sons also die, and she hears there is food again in Israel. 
So Naomi starts traveling back to Israel with her Moabite daughters-in-law. However, Naomi pleads with her daughters-in-law to return back, warning of the hardship of being a foreigner and a widow living in Israel. But Ruth stays by Naomi's side. So then Naomi and Ruth are back in Israel. They need food. So Ruth ends up gleaning in Boaz's barley field. Boaz says, hey, who's the new girl? And you know, gives Ruth lots of food, hearing about Ruth's faithfulness. And they start to form a mutual interest. You know, and Naomi is told of what happens and is overjoyed, saying that Boaz is their family's Goel. So now Naomi comes up with a plan for their redemption that picks up in Ruth chapter 3. So starting in verse 1. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. I'll just pause for a second. I just want to reinforce. You know, Naomi's not just talking about wanting Ruth to have a nice husband. But again, this is referring to that hardship of being a foreigner and a widow in Israel. You couldn't own your own property as a widow. You wouldn't have had the same rights and standing. So there's a lot at stake and with Naomi really looking out for Ruth in this situation. And so continuing on in verse 2, it says, Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but do not let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. So pausing for a moment, the threshing floor isn't something we have in our society today, but it's the most beautiful, symbolic place for this next encounter. A threshing floor is a flat surface on which they would have harvested barley, you know, that Boaz's household has just collected. And it would be spread across this floor, and then the barley would be crushed to break up the barley sheaves to separate it from the edible good grain away from the husks or the chaff. So threshing is this idea of separating the good from the bad. And winnowing is tossing this mixture into the air so that the chaff blows away and all that is left is the good edible grain. And the threshing floor has been used here symbolically throughout the Bible. For example, in Hosea 13, it mentions how Israel is like the morning mist or like the dew that goes early or like the chaff that swirls from the threshing floor. And so the threshing floor is often symbolic of judgment where good is separated from evil. And similarly, Ruth is about to enter and approach her judgment with what Boaz will say. And so, and continuing on in verse 7, When Boaz had finished eating and drinking, 
He was in good spirits. He went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Remember, if the grain is good and Boaz is lying by the grain, so Boaz represents Jesus and Ruth represents us or Gentiles in the story, that makes sense that he's by the grain. But keep going. So Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Pausing again. So to spread the corner of garment over a woman is a cultural way to express betrothal or marriage. In this moment, Ruth is asking Boaz to marry her. Asking Boaz to redeem her, to save her. Her, an outsider, a Moabite. He can, his response is in verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. So just as Boaz agrees to redeem Ruth by buying her property at the threshing floor, this parallels with Jesus agreeing to pay his blood to buy back our spiritual standing from death to life. Our sin has made us like chaff. And Jesus has redeemed us and made us like grain. Jesus has removed the evil or impurity from us, getting us free of sin so now that we can be redeemed and in relationship with Jesus, which leads me into my first point. We try to redeem ourselves, but sin is different. With sin, we need a redeemer. In chapter 3, Verse 11, it says that Ruth was a woman of noble character. Boaz was calling her that Proverbs 31 woman. You know, Ruth was already faithful, loyal, kind-hearted, hardworking. But it wasn't her character that redeemed her. She still needed to be redeemed and could not save herself based on her own merit. And this makes a lot of sense when we parallel Boaz and Ruth with Jesus and ourselves. You know, in life, we do often try to redeem ourselves. I have a few just fun, good redemption stories throughout my own life. So for one example is back when I was playing in high school football. So the first high school football team I was on, we were so bad. We were so bad that the other team would actually cheer for us when we scored just because the game was so boring otherwise. That wasn't even the worst of it. We were so bad that the ref would actually be in cahoots with the timekeeper of the game and they would speed up the game in between plays. I'd be in one play, eight minutes left. Another play, I'd turn around, there's three minutes left in the game. And they'd speed up the clock before the game would reach 100 to zero. Um, we were that bad as uh, my freshman year of playing football. But, you know, by my senior year, 
we had a near winning record. Um, you know, you say it's a little bit of redemption there, and then you know went on to uh, actually get cut from college track and field, but you know ended up being an American Ninja Warrior, which was just you know cool. Great redemption story, I guess. You know, redeem myself athletically, you could say. Or, you know, a lot of stories about, you know, pursuing different sisters in the church and, you know, initially taking a lot of L's and rejection. Um, but, you know, now being married to the most amazing wife, uh, Priscilla, and so very lucky. Yeah, felt like I was redeemed. But anyway, um, you know, but there are lots of redemption moments that we can find ourselves in. Like if we make mistakes at work, we feel like we really got to redeem ourselves at work or in class. We can feel like we need to redeem ourselves so we're doing better on the next exam or we can feel a need to redeem ourselves if we hurt other people. There are lots of different examples we can find ourselves in. But with sin, it doesn't work the same way. Although there are a lot of situations we can redeem ourselves out of, with sin, we need a redeemer and just a few examples of this point in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. It mentions how, referring to Jesus, that neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. The price Jesus had to pay wasn't something we could give or do. The only price could have been the innocent blood of Jesus to buy us back. Or in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You know, this Christmas season, I honestly feel like the ultimate best gift I've ever received is just the gift of God's grace that I couldn't earn, but that I so desperately needed. Or one more in Titus chapter 2, verse 14, says Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. And I find it also just amazing, all the way back in Isaiah, when it was prophesied that we would need a redeemer that Jesus does come in the New Testament and is this prophesied redeemer for us. In regards to our sin, specifically with sin, we can never redeem ourselves. And just going back to the book of Ruth, Ruth, again, she was this woman of noble character, already kind-hearted, all the great character I mentioned. She did all the right things, but was still poor and hungry, and an alien, and an orphan, and a widow. You know, when you are shoved to the outside or pushed down, you cannot always climb all the way up on your own. You need someone to throw you a rope. She wasn't redeemed in society unless she had a redeemer. And with sin, it's the same way, only we pushed ourselves outside. We created a spiritual debt that we could never pay ourselves. And Jesus brought us back so that wall is gone. He met us at the threshing floor and made all of our chaff winnow away. In this holiday season, 
I really encourage you all to just reflect on what did Jesus redeem you from? And if there is any sort of sin or guilt that you're holding on to, just imagine Jesus meeting you at the threshing floor. Him saying, you are redeemed. You are forgiven. And all of that chaff winnowing away somewhere that it will never return. Another question I have for you is, do you see yourself as redeemed? As we go through our discipleship, I just really encourage you, don't focus on trying to redeem yourself in God's eyes living day to day, but instead focus on living a redeemed life. Which leads me to my second point, which is seek to redeem others. While we cannot say, your sins are forgiven, what we can do is show the very love that God and Jesus showed to other people. Just looking out at the book of Ruth, Ruth went from being this outsider to being surrounded by family, an insider, and remarried. And we know that Ruth the Moabite would be inside of God's plan to redeem the world as Ruth would give birth to Obed, who would be the father of David, who would then be part of the lineage that leads straight to our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Just like Boaz, Jesus was also great at bringing people on the outside back into the community. Some beautiful examples I love are in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, where the woman washes Jesus' feet. The Pharisees are ready to rebuke the woman, to stone her and cast her aside. And Jesus praises her and elevates her. In verse 47, he says, I tell you, that her many sins are forgiven. So she showed great love. Imagine how wonderful it must have felt to be redeemed in that social situation. And there are many such social situations that I find myself in, whether it be when I'm under pressure at work and people are looking down on me, to be affirmed and publicly affirmed that you're doing well, it means a lot. It feels good. We're able to look out for opportunities to affirm people and lift them up in similar situations. Another example in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, with the demon-possessed man, the one possessed by legion. He started off living in the tombs and hills, chained up outside the community where people were afraid of him. I can't imagine being more on the outside than that. But Jesus comes into the picture. Jesus casts out the demons. And in verse 19, Jesus said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Because of Jesus' mercy on him, he went from outside to inside. He was redeemed 
and that he regained access to his community. You know, I also remember times when I was a lonely kid in the school cafeteria, you know, if I was unsure who to sit with and feeling alone, feeling outside, just someone inviting me to sit with their group, it felt amazing. Or I just think about a lot of people that can't meet with us um, in a physical church building right now that, you know, whether it be because of health circumstances or other trying times, but how we can seek those people out and let them feel brought into the community, bring the community to them. Just in different ways, as a people of God, we can be looking after the orphan, the alien, and the widow, or whatever equivalence of that we see in our own lives. We can strive to be generous and give to those in need. I think about you know how it's been such a blessing that for the last few years or so, Blue Ridge has been a part of I Was Hungry. And it's been so wonderful just to get to give food to those that are in need of it and just getting the opportunity to meet some of those people and just build relationship with them and see their needs. It's been something I've really appreciated. Or I just think about how we can also redeem how people view Jesus. We can actually stand up and talk about him to the world that seems to hate him sometimes. You know, when people visit church, they should feel redeemed. Not like they need to be redeemed from this religion. We need to look to elevate or uplift people groups that have been pushed down. It seems the world today views Christianity as putting certain people groups down. This is the opposite of what we want as Christians because God invited everyone in. He invited the Moabitess. He invited the demon-possessed. He invited the Gentiles. He invited me. And a question I want you guys to really ponder is how can you contribute to making the church a place where people experience redemption? And how can you redeem other people this week and through life? Just a few quick practicals, I think, can help just to start the conversation on this and put us in a direction. For one practical, we can notice people's different needs and meet them. For example, Boaz, he noticed that Ruth was hungry. He noticed that she was, you know, looking for food in his barley field and gave her tons of food. And you know, I know that food food must be a real love language because Boaz gave Ruth some food and the next day she was ready to marry the man. And you know, he also noticed her signs for marriage. She didn't even need to say anything. But he was observant of her situation and saw her need for property and he agreed. And I think that as we initially start off and even look for people's initial needs because people have different levels of needs you know some are more surface needs and some are more core but in ruth getting her needs needs met by boaz that allowed there to be some trust built for her to come forward about what she really needed 
in this situation, which was, you know, to be redeemed in society, to have her family line be restored. It's because she trusted Boaz as someone that looked out for her needs in the first place. Practical too is that we can use our status or authority to lift up others. Again, Boaz was one of the only people in the world who could have answered this call as he was a specific guardian redeemer to this family. And, you know, for us, this doesn't mean you have to be a CEO or in some really fancy position, but God has put all of you in positions where you can help to lift others up, even if it's just being a friend to someone. And one thing I really want to reflect on too is what got in the way of the other, that first kinsman redeemer. Continuing on in chapter 3, verse 13, Boaz goes on to mention that there's actually a kinsman redeemer that's closer relative than myself. But this first, this first kinsman redeemer was super excited to redeem the property once he thought he was getting land. But as soon as Ruth came into the picture, he turned it down. What do you think got in the way of the first kinsman redeemer? Well, I think it's the same thing that can get in the way of us redeeming others. I think partly it could be worrying about what other people will think of you if you're associated with these people that we're trying to help or worrying about what we could lose. But when we think of our covenant with God and how we have been redeemed, how could we not want to redeem others? The last couple practicals real quick. Just inviting others into Jesus' redemption story. You know, in Mark 5, Jesus says to tell the people what the Lord has done for you. And just bringing people into this love story. You know, it was really cool just the previous night. I got to go to this Yahweh night in which there are lots of young professionals. There must have been over a hundred of us in this room just praising God and singing to him in different tongues and languages and forms of worship. It just reminded me there's so many people in Charlottesville and in all these different towns that are seeking Jesus and hurting. And Jesus wants us to reach them and bring them in. Just some closing quick thoughts as we're seeking to love people and redeem people, is just thinking about the cross and how Jesus is our redeemer and that God wanted to bring us into this love story. God was always working at the center of this story, working behind the scenes and also behind the scenes in our lives, seeking to redeem us through our loved ones and wanting us to do the same for others. God loves you so much. And this Christmas, as you see the Christmas trees and presents, I encourage you to see your Redeemer and to look for where you can redeem others. To God be the glory. Amen. Happy Holidays. I hope that was helpful, and if you would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area, would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit our website at blueridgedisciples.org for more information.